السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته أهلا وسهلا ومرحبا بكم جميعا أيها المستمعين والمستمعات في لابلسنس الفريديو السلام الانترناشنال ويلكم باك تو حياة طيبة with myself معلمة شاكرة عنده here at Radio Islam International الحمد لله we always thank Allah سبحانه وتعالى for these opportunities and over the month of December while everybody is relaxing we don't want to forget the taqwa that you know unites us all and takes us close to Allah سبحانه وتعالى so we have been doing a beautiful series called Taqwa moments and we've been speaking to different guests looking at you know the manner in which each and every one of us journeys to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the way that we are affected in our own journeys and our own struggles with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's test so alhamdulillah you know today we are looking at the loss of a loved one and you know this can be something quite overwhelming joining me online to discuss such a beautiful and in-depth topic is sister Mu'allima Mas'udha Jafi inshallah she's an educator, radio personality and a lifelong Islamic student I've been a fan alhamdulillah Mu'allima Mas'udha ahlan wa sahlan and Jazakallah Khair for joining us today here at Radio Islam International. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. It is definitely an honor to be in your company, subhanallah. And uh, definitely, uh, you know, I, I love imparting what I know and may we learn from each other constantly, inshallah. Inshallah, ameen. So, Mawlana um, Mas'uda, uh, you know, I, you know, I was just speaking to you before we came on air and I wanted to ask you, um, a lot of the time people say to me, they say, you know, when there's no uppers out there, there's no alimas out there who are willing to speak. And that's the reality, right? We need our, our Muslim females to be dynamic and to, inshallah, uh, uh, um, motivate the youth, inshallah. Now, I find, alhamdulillah, every time I've seen you in passing and I've listened to you, I find that, alhamdulillah, Allah has blessed you with that motivation. And your mom, your late mom, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, with Noor, she was back to me as a child, you know, as a young girl growing up and listening to her. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself, inshallah, as a motivation to us all, inshallah? Subhanallah. So I grew up as the youngest daughter of Malima Shamila and uh, Mulana Muhammad Naeem uh, Jaapi. And Alhamdulillah, I can honestly tell you my, my upbringing was one of that where I was constantly reminded about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and encouraged to think beyond just the scope of what was told to me and uh, questioned and asked. And I had I had the most inqu- inquiring mind and you know, curious mind. My father would always push me to ask the questions. If, if, even, if, even if I felt I might have been, uh, you know, asking the wrong kind of question, he always encouraged me to say, you know what, you can always find the answer. The Quran has the answers, the, the hadith has the answers. If you need, just look. And Alhamdulillah, shukar Allah blessed me uh, in his company for only 16 years. And the remainder of that, my mom for the past 18 years, subhanAllah, she was my rock and everything that I ever needed. She was my spiritual guide. And Alhamdulillah, I would always turn to her for everything. Mm-hmm. And through her, Alhamdulillah, although I never uh, initially uh, started off studying, um, particularly studying Islamic studies from from a younger ages and such whatever I mainly learned was from my parents subhanallah and only now after she has passed away subhanallah but motivated in the sense of I don't have my spiritual guide anymore to, to turn to and I have all these questions and all these things that I'd love to ask um, because we'd always have these spirit, spirited um, conversations with regards to tafsir and Quran and um, you know and, and life in itself and alhamdulillah uh, it was so beautiful but now I've been missing that so uh, I started studying last uh, well the beginning of this year subhanallah and part of last year so Allah make my journey easy for me inshallah um, I mean and look there's, there's so much that um, that we do uh, besides just this, I, I, I love teaching and I'll continue doing that as, as long as I can, inshallah. I mean. 
Subhanallah, you know, you're bringing tears to my eyes. I'm just thinking of my own parents. Allah, uh, That's the thing, you know, when you grow up in those homes and you have those, those that support system of deen, it's, it's something that you don't even realize. It's a ni'mah. You just, it's part yes. and parcel of your life. It's sort of like an arm that goes missing when they pass away, subhanAllah. So Allah, you know, make it that, and I know for myself, this was also, it was also a changing moment when my parents passed on. It was, it was like, look what they did with their lives. I need to get my, my socks up and start doing something as well. So it was that, was it a, defi- a defining moment for yourself as well? When my dad passed away, I was not yet 16. It was about 17 days before my 16th birthday. And considering that I was so young, maybe I didn't understand fully at that time what it meant um, to have lost such a great uh, influence in my life. And he was very well-read and well-educated, and his approach to things was very different. And I think I missed that because of the fact that um, now I always say, I wish my father, although we're not supposed to say that, but I mean, like, you know, I wonder what he would say if this would have happened. And um, alhamdulillah, in that instance, I, I now feel that it's a changing moment for myself where you feel that loss of... Um, you know, they say that the, the, the knowledge of the of, of, of the ulama is like it's almost as if it's being wiped from the earth and they pass away. And you feel that loss. Mm-hmm. It's as if it is the chunks of, of information and knowledge is missing yes. and there's no way you can regain it. And, and the one thing that I think that has spurred me on to study was because of the fact that I felt um, I don't have anyone that I know and trust sufficiently for me to ask this kind of question. Mm-hmm. So I need to make sure that I've studied enough so I can ask the right question to get the answer that I need. SubhanAllah. So it, it is this great loss. It's this massive um, uh, gaping, I'm going to say wound that slowly, slowly heals and then it opens up again. But that sorrow that comes, that, that grief and that pain um, of losing, especially parents who are knowledgeable, it, 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 it leaves this massive, massive hole in your heart mm-hmm. and life. Yeah, I, I think, you know, that you, you're putting it so well. It's, it's not just the loss of your parents, the loss of the enemy that you actually feel in your home. And, and you know, I always you know tell my students, I always speak about my dad on air, and that Quran that they every day, you know, those quoting of hadith, it's like a, such a natural part of your life. Yes. And suddenly you just don't have it. So, um, Masuda, you know, when, you, when we all lose a loved one, you know, there is obviously that moment of pure grief. And... You know, speaking to people, losing different people and different... Alhamdulillah, Allah has blessed you that you are practicing the two things that Allah wants us to practice, which is the فَالْتَصْبِرُ وَالْتَحْتَصِبُ You know, trying to gain that sabr and trying to, you know, always look for the reward within it. So let us now, you know, jump into our interview a little bit and we want to just find out a little bit more of how do we do this? How do we actually build these tools and how have you done them? So if we look at the life of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, you know, we always speak about Amul Huzn, the year of, of grief, the year of sorrow. So for our listeners out there, I think sometimes they think that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam didn't feel sadness, that he was the Prophet, so he, even though he lost people, he was the Prophet, so he magically just went through it. But the, the absolute opposite is true. To, uh, so can you explain this a little bit to us, inshallah? Subhanallah, you know, I always feel so emotional with regards to the year of grief and Amul Huzn. And when we take a look at Amul Huzn, this year is not referring to the persecution of the Muslims. It's not referring to the boycott. It's not referring to, um, you know, the moment that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam had to uh, make hijrah to Medina. Um, that, that loss of, of him leaving his home, which is Makkah, and having to move over. 
this loss was so great that it was named something. So you can imagine the grief that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam had to experience in losing the two people whom he loved so much. I want to, before I even talk about the year, let's just talk about Abu Talib's relationship with Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He lost his, his, his father before he was born. His mother, uh, he passed. She passed away when he was quite young. When he was, uh, and then his grandfather as well. So you're looking at that loss of, of, of and also then too, you must remember he, he didn't spend enough time with his mom in that time because he was, um, you know, the, the custom of the Arabs was to be able to send your children to the desert to the Bedouins to be able to learn Arabic. And he spent four years away, and then two years with his mother, and then two years with his grandfather. Then from the age of eight. So this particular time, which was now the 10th year of Nabuwa, which is now, if you're looking at it, roughly just over 40 years, he spent with this man whom he loved dearly. And he took him into his home. Abu Talib was his father's brother, who in the instruction of his father had taken Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, took him as his own and grew him up. So this was the father figure of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. If you have, whether it be an uncle, whether it be uh, someone close to you that you've known for 40 years plus, you know, the kind of relationship that you have with someone, that he pleaded with his uncle on his deathbed to just to take... To t- to, he persistently begged uh, his uncle to be able to accept uh, and, and just say the kalima. And, if, um, and you know how heartbreaking it must have been for, for Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in that moment. Because knowing that he stood for, for this deen, he, he, he protected Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. All of these was, was ways in which he defended Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam because in all essence this was his son. He mm-hmm. took him as his own, taught him everything he knew. And that kind of protection that Abu Talib had given Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was there until, Nabi, until Abu Talib died. And then once he had passed away, then really truly the persecution of the, of, of the Quraysh started, where they, where they had not hurt Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam or, or persecuted him as much as they had after he had passed away. Mm-hmm. So that was that loss. So first, and it wasn't that Abu Talib was in Mecca whilst they were in um, Shu'ab Abi Talib and he was there enjoying himself because obviously considering his status in society mm-hmm. was he was one of, he was the, 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 the chief of the Banu Hashim. So he was one of the chiefs of Mecca. So he didn't enjoy that, his title. He went with Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And then... Imagine that kind of care in his 80s, tell his, his nephew and that son to be able to get out of his bed while he's sleeping because of the fear of him being assassinated. So he says, switch places with me. So mm-hmm. that's, his, that's his love that I feel to a certain extent that we cannot fully understand this mm-hmm. loss until we truly uh, 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 you know, understand the kind of relationship that they had. Mm-hmm. And then he gets sick six months after and the sickness had, had progressed to the point whereby he was on his last. So Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam enters yeah. his home and he's not alone. He's with his, uh, his brothers, then Abu Jahal and, um, uh, sorry, not, not his brothers, he was with Abu Jahal and Abdullah bin Abi Umayyah who was there. And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is telling him to just make, just say La ilaha illallah, this will be sufficient for you. And the more he's encouraging, they are telling him that ultimately, are you going to be giving up and, uh, the religion of your, of your forefathers? Mm-hmm. And then Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam on that said, that Allah, I persistently beg pardon for you until um, it is forbidden for me to do so. Because at that point, when, when, when Abu Jahal and them said this, he said, I'm on the religion of, of, of Abdul Muttalib. And mm-hmm. ultimately, you know how heartbreaking that must have been? Mm-hmm. Because then 
ayat of Quran came down, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, it would not be proper for him to then to, uh, to, to seek forgiveness for the for the polytheists, for the mushrikun. And it, it, it must have broken his heart mm-hmm. that as much as he wanted to uh, save his uncle, that he couldn't do. And as an example, it wasn't that he could go against Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala's command. Now, according to certain narrations, it was three days, some say some say seven days, some say one month. Other narrations, I think the longest it says two months, was the, the time frame between the loss of Abu Talib and um, his wife, his beloved, the love of his life, Khadija radiallahu anha. And she too had suffered so much during um, the, the boycott. And if we can understand having to have been a woman of such nobility as well as wealth because she was the wealthiest woman in Mecca when Nabi Sallallahu married her. She was the wealthiest woman in Mecca. So if you're thinking of what wealth she would have, think of the most richest person that you know. Okay? That was the kind of wealth that she possessed that she could send, she could send traders across to Syria to go and trade for. She didn't even trade locally. She traded beyond borders. And then having to have married Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam who didn't have wealth himself but she married him for his character subhanallah and they lived together subhanallah for 25 years and she supported him that kind of love supersedes um, you know uh, physical beauty and physical uh, uh, possessions because it was one way we know Marriages have been tested now during COVID. Um, besides just health-wise, financially couples are suffering. And even when she would support the 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 the, 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 the beginning stages of, of Islam having been spread, subhanAllah, that kind of relationship that you have to do, you have to be selfless and love your husband so much to be able to do so, to part with your wealth, subhanAllah, and to be able to support him financially and then not to think there's something wrong with him when he comes to you, running to you, asking you to have him. Sorry, my, 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 I'm so sorry. I just want to interject. Uh, mashallah, you know, I really am enjoying how you bring it together. Can you, you know, incorporate for us some beautiful lessons that we can actually learn from the year of sorrow as you are telling us, inshallah? Inshallah. So, so we're looking at that. She, she could, she would believe him. She didn't think there was something, there was something amiss so that, oh no, he must be mad or whatever the case may be. She believed him. So that kind of love that we had, that she had for him, subhanallah, had then perpetuated in obviously being, um, some so beautiful so then it it increases the amount of um of, of pain and suffering that would happen when she had when she had passed away now when we're taking a look at the lessons that we learn from this there was a point when nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam after they had both had passed away where he had um spent some time in his home where he, he kept he was more quiet not that he had completely blocked out the entire world but he was more quiet and he kept to himself and there was a few days where he too grieved on his own and in that time it kind of shows us and the lesson that we can take from this is take the time that you need to be able to look and grieve and be kind to yourself because sometimes and even with with regards to we have the three days of ta'ziyah that that time is meant for you to grieve it's meant for you to feel that loss which is acceptable for you to feel it's not meant for you to um you know have everybody over and then just feed everybody that's not the point of the three days of ta'ziyah that that, that three days is for you to fully feel that loss and to process that feeling. Another um, lesson that we learn from this year of grief is the 
acceptance when things are when you are being tested we know from from the quran allah's promise is true that he will test us with the loss of wealth with the loss of life uh, and, and and people whom we love and this year was a test for nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam a great one because his support structure was now taken away by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then that also too then solidifies our understanding that when even if we feel that that person is our pillar of strength, even if we feel we cannot move beyond that point with that person, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with us. Allah ma'ana. You know, you know we, 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 we tend to then put our, our, our needs or rather our, our feeling of, of, of support in that on others, or rather we, we entrust them with that support, which should be with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we need to have that taqwa, and this is where Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had that type of relationship had been now more solidified. Where it wasn't that because of Abu Talib and because of Khadija and Islam had flourished. We, we give credit where credit is due. But that kind of relationship that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam had, because of this, this grief that he had shown, because of that kind of um, loss that he had, he was now more closer to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, where we can follow in his footsteps and gain closer to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala as well, inshallah. Inshallah, subhanAllah. So, I just love how you bring it all together and tie it so well. Now, Manuel Masuda, you know, um, I know that in that moment when you are grieving, I've always said this, I say don't cheapen your grief by giving it to people, give it to Allah, you know, because mm-hmm. people sometimes just love to speak about your problems and speak about your difficulty, but they don't actually take into consideration your feelings and what you're going through. So, this, this, you know, this common question is, um, have sabr. And a lot of times people get so frustrated mm. with in this because they don't understand. And the hadith says so beautifully, فَالْتَصْبِرْ وَالْتَحْتَصْبِرْ And, and Allah, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, فَالْتَصْبِرْ Meaning, try and exert yourself in having that patience, right? So can you explain to us how do we actually practice this element of, of sabr in our times of grief? The hardest thing to hear, especially when you're grieving, is when somebody tells you, make sabr. But it, it's the implication of, am I not showing sabr? Am I not, uh, you know, it's like from the person who's grieving, that's how you probably feel. And that's the reaction which is sometimes negative. Where we're not taking into consideration that this person probably doesn't know anything else to share with you because they're not understanding your grief. And then turning to the sunnah to be able to remind you to be patient, you know. And um, for us to fully grasp and be patient with those who are whom are coming to be able to make the azia and, and, and console us a little is for us in those moments, especially in the very beginning, for us to, to show sabr um, would be initially, you know that when initially you get tested, so in, especially in the loss of, of, of whether it be a child, whether it be um, parents, whether it be siblings, a spouse for that matter, initially when you are just uh, finding out the news or you are right there when things happen the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala should be on our lips first so that's where we are reminded to say inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un where we are reminded and reminding ourselves that uh, to Allah do we belong and to him shall we return and then we will be counted amongst those who are sabirun so firstly to make sure that this is something that we do say immediately the only way in which we can do so is if this is becomes our takya kalam that means it becomes something that's so prevalent on our tongue all the time that we're constantly reminding ourselves oh it's from Allah it's it's like if you stub your toe the first reaction shouldn't be oh and then profanities no it should be oh ya Allah you know like you're using Allah's name first so automatically in that moment of grief you're turning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that is a very subconscious reaction 
Because if imagine then the angels are writing down for you, and then she used swear, swear words in the moment that she found out, and that's going to be recorded in your books. So imagine then they'll stand before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and say, Oh Allah, she, remi- she remembered you and she remembered the fact that she belongs to you and she's returning to you, subhanAllah. Then that is one way we can start off with. Another way in which we can show patience, especially when it comes, is that remember, we have to consider what happens when we pass away. And that is to talk about things, whether it is amongst your family spouse and your children irrespective of the age that one day we will have to leave this dunya because it is not our eternal abode our eternal abode is jannah so if we remind ourselves as well as our family members that one day we will have to and if i pass away when i pass away this is what needs to be done ultimately we have a checklist already so not necessarily saying it's wasiyat, I'm talking about just the basics of how you'd be able to, okay, this is what happens when you pass away, then obviously you're going to have to make ghusar and then the burial, so the kids know exactly what needs to be done. And also for yourself, there's a process, I know what to expect. And at the same time then, because death is so unknown to us, because it's not like we have our parents who have come back to us and said, ah, oh, my love, this is what happens when I pass away, this is what you're going to see. But none of that has come. We only know from what was taught to us from the Quran and the Sunnah by our beloved Prophet وسلم, and we have to use that knowledge, subhanAllah, and prepare ourselves. And this is the one way in which we can do so, inshallah. You know, recently I was doing a, a, a program on parenting and somebody sent me a message. She said to me, she said, uh, you know, you don't have your parents to teach you how to parent, but Alhamdulillah, you have the Quran and Sunnah. And it really humbled me because that is the gift that we have, right? Even when they are Definitely. not no longer there, we have every single advice and nasiha that we need from the words of Allah. Now, what happens is that a lot of times people process their grief. And I know for myself personally, I was so strong and I was, you know, trying to be so strong in the face of grief. that I didn't realize that after a while I was actually eating my feelings away. I was in a depression and I had no idea that I was because I was functioning absolutely normally. And it was only a year later, you know, when I finally understood, oh my word, I was just going through the motions, but I hadn't completely and totally processed that grief. And I think also because, you know, we, when you're in a role where you're in an alima or you're the upper, sometimes you forget about yourself in that process, right? So mm-hmm. I want to ask you now, is it wrong for us? Is it against yaqeen for us to say that if I'm going through loss, can I seek professional help if I'm not dealing so well? I accept it from Allah, I know it's from Allah, but still I might not be handling it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made us people who need others. Adam alayhi salam needed a wife, subhanAllah. So Allah gifted him Hawa alayhi salam. And in that way, Allah made us beings, especially I think more so women than men, not saying that men do not need to talk, but we need to express ourselves through talking. And once we work it out, because that's the way Allah has wired our brains to work, is that if we need to process something, and maybe it could be different, but majority of women need to talk the process through. And you need a sounding board. And if you are a person who... Uh, um, I can I, I talk to Allah like Allah is my best friend, and I would spill my entire life story. My, I'm upset for the day. I will I will shade, but there are certain moments where you need feedback, and in those moments where you feel um, uh, that you cannot cope, 
we have to turn to others. We, we, uh, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam had the Sahaba turn to him when they needed answers. Similarly, we might not have the answer that we need, or we just need somebody to give us that guidance and seek professional help. And it is within that scope. It's not, it's not against yaqeen. Because ultimately, you, it's not that you do not accept the will of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. And in, in certain cases with regards to the journey of grief, it is one that is not linear. It's not that, okay, I passed step one, now I need to move on to step two. It is something that is quite erratic. And it's, it's in, in the sense of you can jump through the different stages where you have that uh, bargaining, when you have that um, a depression and anger, you have the acceptance. It, it varies all the time. And when you, you'll never really truly overcome grief. It rather becomes easier to deal with. And that's one thing that I think people's misconception is that if you have to go and seek help, then you, you, don't, you haven't accepted the will of Allah. Sometimes we, we, have, we are so overburdened by everything else. And like you said in your case with regards to um, you know, having to throw yourself back into teaching, etc. I did the same thing when my mom passed away. Because having to have taken off over so much roles of, of regards to all the things that she done, and piled on the work. So it's as if I needed to show everyone I was fine. And then that's not healthy. The thing is that you have to process how you feel. If you're looking at it, we're supposed to be able to process how we feel every single day. All our actions, we make muraqab and muhasba every single day. And sometimes even to do that becomes so difficult because how do I express that even to myself and admit to myself that I'm not coping? So you need sometimes um, uh, external assistance with regards to it. And like, hey, you know, you're not okay. Let's let's see how we can help you. Talk it through. Get the right needed and the necessary um, help from, from professionals. Alhamdulillah, and then you'll start feeling a lot better. Alhamdulillah, and that actually eventually it can even solidify your relationship with Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Subhanallah, I, I, you know, that admittance, you know, that it takes a lot. It takes it a lot when you stop and you say to yourself that you know what, you don't have to be strong. You can at this moment take this test as it is a test, and then find Allah slowly and find those moments. So, Abu uh, Masuda, I just wanted to ask you something quite important: is that you know, you you mentioned that your parents were you basically your spiritual support, your everything, and I, and I know I also describe my parents in the same way. Subhanallah. Um, how does how do you you know move on after that when your biggest support is just taken away from under you what do you do first and foremost and secondly how do you accept that when we were younger my father had always said um and he told us uh you know with regards to uh, either the spiritual aspect he, he would solidify within us that one day you will pass away one day i will pass away but that does not mean that we get to question allah subhanahu wa ta'ala about us leaving this world and he would say things like you know and i would always wonder why is daddy talking like this and mind you he for those of them who, of, of of our listeners who might um you know remember my, my father he passed away the early age of 44 um, and at his age to have been and now I'm 34 subhanAllah so I always think back he was so wise uh, in what he would say because ultimately that kind of um, upbringing way we had that kind of reminders that you cannot fully uh, rely totally on me we, we were taught if you have a question first try to find it find the answer and if you don't and if you can't find it come to me or we'd have a discussion about it 
And um, with regards to my mum, I think more so uh, when I started, because it was quite young when, my, when I was quite young when my dad passed away. So truly when I really tr- started becoming more closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was with my mum and having to go through this, um, the motions, I think, for the past, more, more closer to the past 12 years, I think. Um, it, it was one where I needed to find who I was and she encouraged me to the point of, um, you know, I, I needed her answer for everything. Mommy, is this okay? And she would she'd smile and and because I had that kind of relationship with her where I needed an answer, this past almost two years has been very very difficult because I don't have that kind of affirmation of oh yes you're you're doing things right. I have books where she's written down every single uh, program that she's had ever notes for because she would write down everything from the hadith to um, to points that she would make sometimes shorthand sometimes fully long sentences I have that way if I feel like I, I miss her I would go and read through her books uh, my dad unfortunately not that but you you have this way you need to find then another connection and I I decided at that point, especially last year when I was trying to act all strong, um, was that I needed to find it on my own, on my own terms. In the sense of, I, I didn't need to link myself to somebody who eventually I ca- cannot either make contact with, or they would leave this dunya and I feel like completely lost. So what I started doing at that point was making a very much concerted effort with regards to my Quran and and and, and regards to um, the Sunnah. So I would go out and sit with my kitabs and sit with my my Quran and try to be able to I think find a way in which I can connect that was okay for me and and the reason I'm saying okay for me was it wasn't necessarily just about reading tafsir it was about um, fully grasping and reflecting upon certain ayat that made me feel good so if it was Surah Rahman that I felt I really needed to connect with and I would ponder about the bounties of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because now my connection was a bit different every person's journey is going to be very different with regards to this when you feel you you do feel that spiritual loss right like the, the one who you could say, Mommy, what am I supposed to read for this? And then I, I catch myself in moments where, oh, I just need to ask. And I'm like, I can't. Mm. So so I, I, I've now resorted to, if I if I've learned something, I'm going to write it down. Because yeah. one day I'm going to need to be able to refer back to it. Uh, and the yeah. person who I maybe have learned it from, whether if I'm listening to a lecture by yourself, or I'm listening to a lecture of Dr. Haifa, or I'm listening to something of uh, whichever scholar I'm listening to, I start making notes of it and then try to re- reference by going back to whatever they've referenced. So if they said it's in Bukhari, I will go and try to find it in Bukhari so that I have the solidified uh, understanding that this is where it's from. Right. For my own, and this is, it, it's a very intense process sometimes when I think to myself, I give myself work, but I feel like this is the only way in which I can feel secure in what I know so I don't feel like I'm going to fall through the cracks if somebody else that I love has has to leave. Hmm. I think it's also creating that sort of comfort for yourself. This process of writing it down is what your mom did. So it gives yes. you that. I know like if I look at my setup in my study, I've got all my father's books around me and I've got my own books, but all these kitabs, you know, that's my greatest possessions that I own, subhanAllah. And it's subhanallah. such a comfort. It's such a comfort. Every every course that I teach, every uh, talk, it's from a kitab of his, with the intention of, uh, you know, sadaqah ijariya for him. Now, you know, I, I, I want to speak about something which I think we often overlook. A lot of times, you know, people say, Inna lillah, we all say it. But sometimes, just sometimes, you get that question, but why did it happen to me, right? And mm-hmm. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us, you know, we are cautioned against saying this. But shaitan does play with us, right? And you, you tend to get to the point, and recently, I'm not sure if, if, if anyone knows, but recently my, my little daughter, she was born and she was rushed to hospital. And it was, it was really 
difficult for those two weeks. We're watching this little girl pull up, you know, machinery and things like that. And she comes home after two weeks and I'm speaking to my neighbor. And as I'm speaking to her, she say, I, I say to her, oh, I'm so happy, you know, your, your family's here and I hope you enjoyed yourself. And she says to me, you know, it was a bit difficult. Um, my husband's sister just lost her baby. And then she goes on to explain, babe, my baby and that baby were born at the same time. They had the same complications. And that baby passed away. And I just stood there, you know, I stood there. I was like numb. And I thought to myself, Ya Allah, this is what is meant by it's just you. It's just your decision, subhanAllah, you know. And mm-hmm. a lot of times when somebody passes away, we don't, we forget that. We forget that it's actually just Allah's will and so how do we do that you know when those whispers come to us and eat at us how do we control that the one thing that um we have to understand is that uh you know it's like having a bad thought um you know you you don't get sinned for the bad thought you get sinned for acting upon those thoughts um and the one thing that you you might not you might it depends on on the individual uh you know sometimes you can stop it immediately but if that thought plagues you automatically when you start realizing hold on I, I cannot be thinking like this again it comes down to what are we reminding ourselves on a daily basis but now we are subjected to shaitan on uh, on multiple levels he's our open enemy he's going to try to get at us and the stronger our our iman the more difficult those tests are going to be and he will you know he's going to attack you at, at your weakest so if you're talking about your um your particular instance um you know in those moments where you're finding yourself in a situation where they'd be so difficult where you're looking at your baby and she's strapped up to all of these things i remember uh, my nephew was five when he had a brain tumor and it was you know you have all these thoughts you know and then he's going to pass away and 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 like why is Allah testing and then i I'm going to refer to the story of my sister, subhanAllah. And, and mind you, this was 10 years ago. So we, she was early 20s, you know. It wasn't like it was, she was like older, we should have this. Um, and we, we got told that he, that he had a, um, you know, there was a 50-50 chance of him coming out of surgery, normal. And, uh, or he would come out alive at all. And, you know, she, at that point, you know, Allah gives you that strength. And she heard everybody talking and she said, if Allah wants him and it's his time, then I am happy. And I and it shook me because I'm I'm the one who's questioning at this point. You can't talk like that. You, you, you know, you can't even tempt it like that. And she's like, no, it's not about tempting fate. It's not about any of those things. At this point in time, you have to understand Allah's will is more important. And Allah is not going to put me through anything that I cannot handle. And then she reminded me of that. We can handle this. Allah says we can handle this. So why, why must I feel like I can't? It's difficult, but I'm going to push on. And this is something that we, we can then do. When those negative thoughts come into, come into our mind, remind ourselves where it's like this entire, um, uh, entire shift. So we have to shift um, uh, not just perception, but what we're doing. So say, for example, you are mulling around because you're sitting outside the hospital room and you're waiting to hear something or, or you're waiting by the phone waiting for something. Change what you are doing at that point in time. Because when you are waiting like that, Shaitan's playing with your mind. So either buzz yourself making something or changing the action that you are doing and then start reminding yourself, oh, you know, I, I got this. Allah, Allah knows I, I can handle this and remind yourself those little things. It's almost as if you are affirming it 
so that your brain knows this and it subconsciously comes to the fore. I'm a, I'm a firm believer in not necessarily affirmations. I don't like calling them affirmations. I, I, I talk about them as in like these truths that Allah has given us about ourselves. Um, and they're like the special heart work that you do every day where you tell yourself, um, I am, I'm, I'm, Allah is with me. I am, um, I'm capable of all that Allah puts out before me. Any test can't, can't, um, uh, can't overthrow me because ultimately these are what we are told in the Quran. So we can then like use that as affirmations in inverted commas and such. But once we start doing those things, it becomes a bit more easier when you're dealing with the doubts. And then turning to Quran. I think that's the one thing. Or turning to your musalla, crying it out, asking Allah for guidance. Because if we don't, um, oh yes, and then ultimately to protect ourselves by reading Astaghfirullah, I at least 10 times uh, in the morning and 10 times in the evening, mm-hmm. like minimum, just to protect yeah. ourselves from shaitan. I think, it, I think it's the most important thing of just you know, recognize that he's your enemy, that he's going to use this immense moment that you can build your connection to Allah. He's going to use it to break you down, subhanAllah, and take you away from Allah. Uh, I've, been, I've been just sitting here and listening in awe. May Allah subhanAllah will grant us all that ability, inshallah, to, you know, to have the dignity in, that, in this loss, subhanAllah. So we, we are, I, I, I said to you at the beginning that this is our taqwa moment. And I want to ask you that when you were losing your mom at that time, what was one of those moments where, you know, you just had this ayah and it hit you and it was, because, you know, a lot of times, we read the Quran like you were saying, and you understand it. You do the seed, but at the double, that com- you know that complete reflection and connection to the Quran, it hits you differently when you're going through loss. And I remember a friend of mine, um, Subhanallah, her name was Umm Akram. She was quite young. She was about uh, about 18 or 19, and her husband passed away. And she had two kids, and she was pregnant with. And this happened about a year or two ago in the, in the midst of COVID. He passed away from COVID, and they were young. You know when I say young, she was my student and my friend, like my sister, and her, she gets the new husband passes away and I'm now holding her in my arms and she just keeps saying Allahu waliyu alladheena amanu Allahu waliyu alladheena amanu Allah is the close protector of those who believe and I'm thinking subhanallah she is literally alone in a foreign country her family is in, 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 the, in the Emirates she's here with her husband who now passes away and she's got these two kids and she's pregnant Ya Allah you know what is it that you are teaching her but those those ayat form the solace of our our loss so for you, what was your taqwa moment? What was it that kept you, you know, that ayah that just kept you all together? There was a few. Uh, but, but specifically, I think from the time COVID actually started, um, the, the, the ayat 155 from Surah Baqarah, 155 to 157, so that ayat of Quran, I think really brought me to the point of, oh, ya Allah, this is a test. Um, and I know it's, it's promised because you, you see the problem that we uh, I face rather uh, on a personal level is the fact that um, if I'm not going to view it as something that is, um, I'm going to say, uh, the word, <laughs> I'm lost for the word. But if, it, if it's not something that I can, I can overcome, then I'm going to be at a loss where I'm going to probably allow myself to be depressed. Um, having gone through depression initially uh, years ago, uh, you know, you don't want to get back into the dark place where, where you feel like to a certain extent, like there's no way. And the one person who brought me out of my depression was my mom. Um, she told me, I want my child back, you know, and um, and, and she would constantly like, this is a test from Allah and you will pass it, my child. Allah won't over, overburden you. But this ayat of Quran was the one thing that I kept on reading from the 20th, from the year 2020, from COVID starting. I'm like, and we'll surely test you with something of fear and hunger and a loss of wealth and lives and fruit and give good tidings to those who are patient. Um, and, you know, 
ultimately, and, and when disaster strikes and say, uh, and this is what kept me going. Those ayah kept me going. And then um, one of the very last um, sort of the Quran that I, I got to learn with my dad in class. So alhamdulillah, not only was I, um, you know, having been the privilege of their daughter, but I was also their student, subhanAllah. And... Um, one of the final ones that we kind of perfected with regards to Tajweed was Surah Al-Duha. And I loved the way he taught it, but the explanation of the Surah. Like, Allah will not forsake you. Ya Allah, you have not forsaken me. Ya Allah, I know you have not forsaken me. And constantly when I when I turn to to, to understand and I go through uh, those moments of, of doubt, I'm like, Ya Allah, I know you haven't. And, and that, those are the moments and those are like the ayat of Quran that kind of really, really pushes you through because when you when you really then look at it, um, ultimately, you 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 will be more connected to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, and um, you know then you're looking at and your Lord is going to give you, and you'll be satisfied. Ya Allah, whatever you give me, I'm going to be satisfied. Ya Allah, whatever you give me, I'm going to be satisfied. And I kept on saying this because I had to then uh, take over and do so many things and push myself to the extent where I felt uh, it, it wasn't right what I did <laughs> from an emotional standpoint. It was not the right thing to do, but at the same time. I I felt this was the way in which I needed to remind myself. Mm-hmm. So I had it up on my on my phone. It would be up on my desk. It would be something that I would constantly remind myself of. This is what I need. You know, that that kind of feeling of, of being connected somewhere, uh, alhamdulillah, helped. Yeah. Uh, I can't tell you how beautiful this has been for myself listening. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept, inshallah. And we ask Allah to make this a benefit to all those who have listened. Jazakallah khair for your time. Barakallah fikum. And may Allah grant you a beautiful time of rest with your family this December, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Listeners, alhamdulillah, we have been looking at loss of a loved one and we have been speaking to Malima Mas'uda Jafi and it has been incredible, you know, learning and seeing the beautiful taqwa displayed by Malima, inshallah. Jazakallah khair for joining me here on Hayatun Tayyiba. You have been listening to myself, Malima Shakira Hanta, and inshallah, we will chat again soon. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.